Tara Blair Ball is a certified relationship coach that specializes in toxic relationship recovery. She's the podcast host for the new show, The ADH Couple, that she's doing with her husband, Brian. And that premieres December 6th, 2023. Check it out. I'll put the link below. She's also the author of three books, Grateful in Love, A Couple's Goals Journal, and Reclaim and Recover, Heal from Toxic Relationships. You can learn more about her at tara.relationshipcoach on TikTok, Instagram, and check her out on YouTube. All of those links are below in the show notes. Tara Blair Ball, welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> we, I did it a little bit long, wrong the first time, so that's my second time doing it. That's why we're giggling. <laughs> but that was so much better. It was perfect. It was so good the second time. And today we're going to have a chat about an interesting topic that I don't know too much about until I started to poke around in it after we connected, which is ADHD in relationships. Yeah. So, so I, you know, what I was going to ask, take it, <laughs> take, it, take it away, Tara, take it away. Yeah. So my, I started dating my husband several years ago and I knew early on that he had ADHD and I remember recognizing several different things that were coming up in our relationship that would just sort of irritate me or I wouldn't really understand what was going on. For example, I would ask him to set up a doctor's appointment and he would just tell me over and over again that he was going to do it and then he would forget. And in the beginning, I really felt like this had to be lying. Like, why are you lying to me? Why are you telling me you're going to do something and you're not going to do it? And then I would ask him about it and he wouldn't be defensive. He wouldn't, you know, project, blame, any of that. He would just sort of like sheepishly be like, oh, of course, I just forgot. I've been so busy, so distracted. And so it wasn't coming from this malicious or mean intent and I really had to dive in deeply to what what does ADHD look like in relationships? How does it impact it? And clearly the biggest impact ADHD has on our relationships is that executive dysfunction. It, you know, my partner tells me he's going to do it and he means it. He means he's going to do it. But if he does not follow it up with immediate action that works for his ADHD brain, then it's not it's not going to end up happening. And it doesn't mean that he's lying. It's really because that's how his brain works. And his brain works utterly differently than mine. And then earlier this year, I was also diagnosed with ADHD and realized that I have a lot of the same symptoms too, which is maybe why they were irritating me. Because if they irritate me and him, it's probably because I'm acting out on them too. And over the years, I've worked with so many neurodivergent couples where one or both partners have had ADHD and I've noticed the same issues come up again and again, like the, you know, plan, saying they're going to plan the doctor's appointment and then they don't. But other things like feeling like our partner is inattentive or forgetful or distracted, feeling like that impacts our ability to be emotionally intimate, um, feeling like our communication is harder to get and deal with because, you know, we're saying something, but it's not necessarily heard or we're saying something and our partner doesn't follow through. And the symptoms of ADHD are more subtle when they are when we're adults, but it still has a significant impact on our daily lives as well as in our relationships. And what I see a lot is those of us with ADHD really have differences that our partner needs to be able to accept 
but we also need to own and not make excuses around. Like I can recognize that I have executive dysfunction issues and how that shows up for me. But that doesn't mean I get to just blame my ADHD of like, oh, I didn't do that because my ADHD. It just means I need to learn what works better for my brain to be able to follow through on the things that I say I'm going to follow through on. And when you talk about the brain, we actually see that there is a difference within mm -hmm. brain structure. And science has showed this. Uh, as I was doing some research for this pod, I was really curious looking into this, like what is the actual scientific causes or reasons? And they're saying, hey, there are some differences in brain structure, right? Yeah, so the, the lobe of the brain that deals entirely with executive function, organization, attention, and focus, that actually is smaller on brains of people who are neurodivergent. So there's a literal physical view of it in our brain that it, your partner's brain, if they have ADHD or your brain, if you have ADHD is literally different from someone else. And I, I see that a lot with couples that we don't necessarily see or accept that, you know, we just think our partner is lazy or not listening or, um, not caring about us or not prioritizing us, but there's a literal brain difference that it really does take more energy and effort and brain power for them to do a task that for you may seem really simple. What are some, you, you said that for you, it showed up in some executive functions. What are the, some of the symptoms that show up for you and then how are those different for the ones that show up from your husband? I think that's really interesting. So mine, my, my, ADHD primarily presents as inattentive and what the way I find it to be the biggest issue is when it comes to lots of sounds in the same room. So my husband doesn't have this symptom at all, but if there are a lot of sounds in the same room, for example, if a TV's on, if I'm in a restaurant where there's a lot of conversations where, you know, my kids might be playing or I might hear something outside, my brain tries to hear all of that at once. And so the energy that it takes for me to focus on the person in front of me who's talking to me is a lot more work than it would take for someone who is neurotypical. And this is something I've always sort of known by myself, about myself. I just didn't necessarily recognize and put it together that it was an ADHD symptom. But my husband noticed early on when we were dating that if he would talk to me while we were watching a movie, I would have to pause the movie to be able to give him my full attention. And that's something he always just sort of found quirky or funny about me. But I realized that was a way that I was sort of responding to and dealing with that ADHD symptom. My husband's is very much, his can be more on the hyperactive realm, which means he might excessively talk. He might be fidgety. Um, he might constantly be jump jump from thing to thing. Um, and he may really struggle if he gets distracted, for example, going back to what he was in the middle of doing. And so our ADHD is slightly different, but we also can relate to each other I about those particular symptoms. I'm not really an excessive talker. I don't really fidget or any of that, but I definitely know what that can feel like. And can imagine how hard that'll be to overcome when you're trying to, for example, make yourself sit still. I know how hard it is for me to try to make myself pay attention when there's all these noises going on. So being able to sort of work over that, I understand how much brain power it takes. And someone who's neurotypical may not understand that level of brain power that it takes. And it can be really fatiguing.
I'm I'm quite a fidget, and it was something that was commented on in previous relationships. And I'm always like so thankful that my girlfriend hasn't seemed to have noticed, or maybe she has noticed and just hasn't brought it up because. I fidget a lot and especially before I go to sleep I like, need to make sure my water bottle is full and have to go mm. through these little fidgeting rituals mm. and I'm always, it's just been something that uh, if when you've been called out on it trying to stop yourself from fidgeting is such a horrible feeling I hate I hate that feeling of of trying to not move. Or if you're in the cinema and if if you've ever been with someone who's called you out for you know, fidgeting or something, then just trying to regulate that behavior does become exhausting and it's annoying as well. Maybe you'll get diagnosed late in life like I was too. Maybe you'll be like, <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> uh, Tara, we, we did the, so we've been really looking into this as we're building some resources exactly for this in Coupley. When we've spoken to our Coupley audience, it's been a huge thing for so many couples. Um, ADHD has impacted so many couples, especially when both people have ADHD, when one person does, one person doesn't, and just understanding the differences. So like you, this is something we're, we've been exploring. And as I was taking these quizzes, I was like, isn't everyone, isn't, isn't this just a normal thing? Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think I, I, and, I, and I need to look into it more because I was really only doing these in the last few weeks. But I, I I always felt like it was something to do with more of my personality. So, hey, I got loads of the creative juice. Like I have a ton of creative juice and a ton of problem solving juices. Like I got loads of those. I got those to spare. All the book ideas, all the business ideas. I have tons of ideas, so many ideas. I don't even know what to do with them. But when it comes to planning and organization, I'm a little bit, not so much. I didn't get quite as much uh, of, of that. But when I speak to people around me, they don't have much creative, but they got way more planning. So I think that's the way that I looked at my behavior types. But as I was looking at the things that ADH was scored under, I was seeing a lot of these things were matching up to myself, perhaps to a mild degree. So yes, mm -hmm. I, I will explore a um, proper diagnosis. And I think as well, coming into this, when I was looking into it, I've got a little bit of that that European slash um, British viewpoint of it, where before I started to look into the biological differences, I was always like, oh, what is this? It, it mm -hmm. seems to be a very American thing. America has got a real big pharma industrial complex. Mm -hmm. When I went to school in America, I'd never really heard of ADHD. And then when I tried my friend's Adderall, I was like, wow. I could stay awake. I could stay awake for a whole day and a night and the rest right. of the day and be and be widened in the zone. Like everyone wanted to get these study drugs. So I was I definitely came with um a little bit more maybe suspicion. And then as I look mm -hmm. more on the brain, the brain chemistry side, I was like, holy shit, this is properly real. Um right. which I think is maybe something that us having this conversation is gonna help get out to more people as well. Yeah, and it's definitely something I know that I had a lot of stigma growing up around because I had heard about ADHD, particularly when I was in high school, but it was very much, I never identified myself as having it because it definitely seemed more people on the hyperactive realm. And mm, then yeah. there was a lot of stigma about the type of medication that 
you know, children were giving. And I remember hearing my parents saying, you know, like we're drugging kids. And I still hear people say that, but there are options for diet changes, medications that are non-stimulants. And, but I think it's always helpful just to learn more about ourselves because then we know what resource to look up. You know, I have worked with plenty of ADHD couples throughout the years. My husband had ADHD, but until I had it myself and was really looking at how mine had affected my life, it was a totally different experience, you know, and now I can know, oh, I struggle jump changing tasks because I have struggled with task switching. And then I can look up how to work on and improve my task switching abilities. Like it just gives us, it opens the door to finding the resources that we need to really improve things. And when I know what something is, I now can label that and have discussions with my partner or other people about it. Like, oh, I, you know, I, that time is not difficult for me because of X, Y, Z versus just flaking and not going, or it allows me to have more ownership and accountability and making those changes in my own life. And I think that's really empowering. I think that's super empowering. And I love discovering more about ourselves. And especially if there's a set collection of symptoms or things that commonly happen to folks, then you can see that there's also a shared collection and ways that you can help. Maybe they involve medication, maybe they do not. Maybe they involve just being like, oh, wow, this is something I'm probably going to be pretty shit at. Um, right. <laughs> and that's that's something I'm going to need to make sure that I'm going to have to pay a little bit more attention to. Um, I'm, I'm going to continue thinking of things that I'm really bad at that I have to have systems for. <laughs> yeah. One of them is, is wallet keys phone, right? Those yeah. three things are very important. This guy will... If I do not put them in my in a specific place, yeah, that shit's fucking gone. It's with the fairies, yeah. or it, it will be in a random place, and it's fine ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. But if me and my girlfriend go traveling and we stay, I'm good for the first hotel. But if we move to a few different places, you know, when you do those trips when you stay in a few yeah. different places. Oh my god, I'm like clinging on to the edge. I'm like, where's the drawer? Okay, put it in the drawer. Put it in the drawer. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a hundred percent of the time, I'm always losing something just because I feel like I get further and further away from my systems that keep my shit together. Yeah, and that's a help. That's a helpful thing when it comes to considering a relationship. Is what systems can you put in place with your partner, whether you have ADHD or not? But what systems can you sort of work together? Um, and the podcast that my husband and I um, are doing, the trailer is out. Um, the trailer has been released, but the first two episodes don't drop until December six. And the first two episodes are on sort of what is ADHD generally. And the second episode is on division of labor and what kind of systems couples can put in place to make sure that they're handling household childcare duties. But my husband and I really have to work at and discuss those systems in terms of what do we do with our home life? What does this mean? Mm. Um, where can we where can we benefit and improve in those particular areas? I, I, I very often lose things. And so I too have to have specific places where I put things. And one thing that my husband is good at is he actually doesn't lose things. That's not a thing that he does. He's, he's not on that. He doesn't have that symptom, <laughs> which is very nice, but sometimes he could get very easily frustrated or irritated with, with me because I lose my keys and he's trying to help me find my keys again, you know, but he's also very attuned to sort of 
knowing that about me and can help me. I have literally left the car keys in the fridge before. And he was the one who was able to find them, not because he he not because he knew or opened the fridge by accident, but like intentionally. He was like, I bet it's in the fridge. You went to get some milk and I bet you put it in the fridge. And he absolutely was right. So <laughs> that's something if we know that about our partner, we can also help them. But the other side of it is we really need to be careful about not getting then resentful or irritated. My husband has so much patience for me and I, I for him too. And I think it's very helpful that we both have ADHD so we can have that understanding and tolerance. But before I was ever diagnosed, I really needed to work on that for myself because, for example, my husband would always leave cabinet doors open and I would ask him, I was like, can you please close the cabinet doors? And it just, it didn't matter how many times I say, I said it, the cabinet doors were going to be left open. And again, I had to really realize that he wasn't doing it at me or to me. It wasn't coming from this mean place. It just like his brain was thinking of so many different things and then the cabinet stores got left open. And a very easy solution that we ended up implementing before I was ever diagnosed with ADHD is we we installed self-closing cabinet doors. <laughs> so now it just closes immediately. <laughs> but any couple needs to sort of work that out, you know? And if it is a really extreme issue, um, finding the systems that work for you. Like when my husband is doing something outside of his routine, not only does he put a reminder in his calendar, he'll put like literally post-it notes around his areas that I remember the last time he was packing a lunch for our daughter, which is not his normal job. It's mine. Mm -hmm. But he put five different post-it notes in various places to make sure that he would get it because he was making it a priority. That's great. And I think seeing that as well, seeing that effort is very meaningful too. Um, mm -hmm. And also making sure that you're, that your daughter is is fed is quite an important thing. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, and this le this leads really well into, sure, I think couples can get away with a lot, especially before having kids. But when we have those additional responsibilities, couple that with just being a parent, um, it's is is so it's so many requests on your both your mm -hmm. time on your on your physicality. Thanks. How do you manage that? So with my husband and me, it was very important for us to sit down, especially after our littlest was born, because we were moving from two kids to three kids together that were all young. Um, we really had to sit down and divide the labor. And for us, that looked like we each took on jobs. And my husband takes on all the laundry. I take on all the dishes. And as long as those things are getting done, I really do not see it. I do not see the dirty clothes in the hamper. I, I don't see it. And that helps me focus on what I can and, and can't control. And I don't get overwhelmed or irritated because this is my job. I'm taking care of my job. He'll take care of his job when he needs it. But really, it needs to be like that for a lot of couples, that they need to have things that they can just completely take off their plate of this is your assignment, this is mine. And it really helps to decide those things based on strengths as well as preferences. My husband yeah. has always preferred to do the laundry. That's what he likes to do. And I've always preferred to do the dishwasher. And I load the dishwasher like a Scandinavian architect. And my husband does it like a meth head raccoon. So again, <laughs> that's like, that's accepting our strengths as well as our preferences. Like, I don't want him anywhere near the near the dishwasher. And honestly, he really doesn't like how I fold. 
And so he gets to fold and that has absolutely worked so well for us. And it almost feels like magic sometimes, like clo- oh. clean clothes just appear in my closet. But having that job and being able to sort of give that to him completely and not, I do step in at times, like if he's ill or traveling or any of that, but it's something I don't have to do or take on and it's split. And I think it's very helpful for couples to divide labor in general, because too often it becomes that at least one partner is taking on more and that's okay for some couples, but for many couples, it doesn't feel fair. And by fair, I do not mean 50-50, because I don't know any couple that splits everything 50-50, but it does need to feel like you both are, you know, getting your leisure time in, that you both feel that you're contributing to the house as well as contributing to the care of the kids. It needs to be fair of however the couple decides it. The book Fair Play by Eve Rotsky is really helpful for couples trying to figure this out. I also sell a resource that has like a packet and a template and different worksheets to work through for couples. That's what my husband and I did. We had like literally had a spreadsheet that we like filled out and decided you do this, I do this. And that for us has worked really well. Is that by going zone by zone uh, in the in in the house and sort of like mental jobs, physical jobs? spiritual jobs or whatever is, <laughs> is required we actually divide ours by frequency um so all tasks that are done every day those are weighted the same versus tasks done weekly those are weighted the same and that kind of helps us particularly just because if i need to do it every day i'm clearly going to put more energy into making sure that it's done versus a task i do once a week so And that kind of helps you view it too, because I will work with some couples where someone is like, well, I mow the lawn. Well, that's like an hour and a half, maybe once a week and only certain months of the year while doing the dishes for families, that's an everyday task. So, and that can definitely rack up to more than an hour and a half in a week. So just sort of being able to compare it like that, I think is important to make sure that no one is unduly overweighted. It's wild how much time we spend in the couple space talking about division of labor. And it's also mind blowing how many people are getting this so wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. ADHD or not, this is just such a common place where relationships can die, even when so many other things are going, going really well, getting the stuff right is really important. Um, and like for the couple audience listening to this, I know we bang on a lot about this in the app as well, <laughs> but it's worth, it's worth doing a check-in with your partner about too. And just candidly asking them, Hey, am I supporting you? Can we look at all the tasks that we're doing? And I love this idea of doing things to your strength. I was wondering what it was around the folding, the laundry, because I saw the teaser in your, <laughs> I saw your podcast teaser, something about folding socks, Tara, spill the, can you spill the beans? Yeah. So I, we were just dating at the time and I, so I fold socks by just like shoving the sock into the other sock while my husband rolls it in like a ball. And he literally told me and started redoing all of the socks I'd folded. He's like, you did these wrong and starts refolding them. And I literally at the time I was like, I'm never doing, I'm never folding your socks again. (laughs) Like (laughs) if you are not, if you are not okay with how I fold socks, I am, I'm, 
I'm perfectly fine if you always fold socks from now on. <laughs> Congratulations. You've just got a job. <laughs> right, right. Because I think some of us have those preferences, you know, of how things need to look, but we don't get to control or have say over how our partner does things as long as they are completing it. That's the other part. I mean, there's definitely room for your partner being you know, or weaponizing their incompetence and that kind of thing. But sometimes we just, what they do is a little different and we just need to be okay that they do it a little different because the main goal is that it's off your plate. Weaponizing incompetence. Can we have a quick refresher on that? Hopefully <laughs> audience, if they haven't heard this one, cause it's interesting. My son is the perfect example of this, which is funny. Um, so weaponizing incompetence is when someone purposefully performs a task badly in order for your for you to get irritated and frustrated and you take on the task from now on. They're perfectly capable of doing the task. They can Google. They can do so much when it comes to figuring out how to do the task, but instead they are going to be manipulative, really, and pretend that they don't know how to do it to no longer do it. Yeah. So my and son so is is wonderful at this. I've taught my son how to clean a toilet. I've taught my son how to do this and part of his chores. My, my son is seven and he plays Roblox, which is like his favorite game. And he earns Robux. I think it's called Robux, like the money in yeah. the game if yeah. he does certain chores. So teaching him how to do the bathroom and clean it properly, I have seen him just try to do the bare minimum. And that's really what it is, like the literal, like literally just clean the, put the seat down and then just clean the top of the seat and think, think that he can get away with it because he wants to get his money. And that is perfect weaponizing incompetence where he's pretending that he hasn't been taught. He's, he just wants to get his money. And w that's okay for a child. I mean, he's a kid. He's still learning when it's a grown adult doing it in a romantic relationship and letting down their partner that's a different story that's frustrating, that's disappointing. And it really creates this environment where you can't trust your partner because they're outright manipulating you. Hmm. We, we've, we've, we've walked across um, how it affects chores, parenting. And then I'm curious about sort of passion, date nights, and the other side of this as well. Because with ADHD, I, I think you've got the potential of a few things. I think you've got the potential of getting so into other stuff that you might lose focus on your partner. Mm -hmm. And if you're not really aware of things like bits of connection, um, missing those because you might be up in your own thing or, or, or not paying enough attention to your partner's needs. And then the other thing is like or organizing date nights and the logistics around there. I'm really curious to hear about the first one, impacts of ADHD that you've seen in communication styles and those bids for connection. Is that an issue? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the bids for connection. So, you know, Dr. John Gottman says, ideally our partner will respond to our bid for connection about 80% of the time. So in a new relationship with a partner who has ADHD, what often happens is what's called hyper-focused courtship, where our partner is like intensely interested in us. They're very focused. Um, it's very romantic. It's very amazing, very special. A lot of us might compare it to love bombing, but the intention behind it and what happens after it is very different. 
the hyper-focused courtship is very much they're focused on you like they're uh, like you're an amazing hobby you know and when that starts to wear off when the relationship is no longer new or novel usually that hyper-focus shifts to something else some new hobby some new interest whatever it might be and for you as the partner who's no longer focused on whether you have ADHD or not it can feel can feel sort of abrupt um kind of blindsiding because you're like I had all of your attention but now all of your attention is pointed at pickleball or whatever it might be um (laughs) mountain yeah 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 and that can suck you know um the the reason why it's different than love bombing is love bombing is intentional it's intentional it's manipulative it's the reason behind it is to make you dependent isolated and reliant on them. And so as soon as the love bombing sort of stops, then there's criticisms, jabs, it usually starts to segue into actual abuse. You're not going to see that with an ADHD partner who is not love bombing you. It's just sort of a switch, which can feel, it still doesn't feel good, but it's not this manipulation um, and dependency tactic. So when that switch happens, when it's no longer the hyper-focused courtship, you know, those of us with ADHD struggle with maintaining any, maintaining long-term effort. And so absolutely, we may be distracted, uh, we may be inattentive, um, we may be forgetful. So we may absolutely miss bids for attention. In a relationship where this occurs, it's very important for the couple to have a conversation about it, about, you know, I am... I made a bid for connection today or I reached out for you today and I really wasn't getting a response. Can we come up with something together to help make that better? So for example, my husband knows that if he says something to me and a TV's on, a tablet's on or whatever, that he will do best to make that request if we turn those things off. Um, And sometimes he says something to me and I don't hear him at all. So, and that's because I'm, I'm literally, my brain is trying to listen to all of these other things at once. And so he knows that about me. And so that's something we can work on. The other side of it is being intentional on, in ways that you create systems. So for example, I know some couples where they have come up with code words, uh, like the word banana, you know, and that code word might be, Hey, I'm going to tell you something, please pay attention, you know, Mm. um, it could be that they have like a hand gesture um, or something like a hand on the arm. And that's that's sort of like, hey, when I do this, that means yeah. I am reaching out for a bid for connection and I am I'm needing your attention. So your ADHD partner can know that and turn their energy towards you. And so that can be helpful. But again, you're working it out and coming up with some kind of system around that together because maintaining a relationship is hard for those of us with ADHD, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. My husband and I maintain a really great relationship, but we have to be very intentional. We have to schedule those date nights. We have to make planning important. And we also have to work with, and that's an important preposition is the word with there, with the ADHD brain and not try to work against it. Because the advice that you might hear that would work very well for someone neurotypical isn't necessarily going to work with someone who's neurodivergent and that grace piece is important. Yeah. Yeah. So my, so 
for example, there is a great book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. That's yep. all about creating habits, right? So his, his argument is that when you create habits, it becomes automatic and takes less brain power for you. That's true for neurotypicals. It's not ever fucking true for someone with ADHD. <laughs> ever. So no. don't listen to that advice thinking one day it's going to be take up less time. I have to literally think every time before I brush my teeth. It has yeah. not ever been something automatic to me. I did not even realize that that was something that was a thing. So every time I brush that te brush my teeth, that takes energy, willpower, making the time, walking over there. All of that is more work for me than it would be someone who's neurotypical who has that as a habit. I do not have habits so much as I have routines, which is totally different. Oh, talk more about this. Yeah, so my routine might be I take I take my medicines or my vitamins or whatever and I go brush my teeth. I put my keys in the exact same places every time. Those are all things I have to think about. I never get to just give those up as a lack. So that is, those are the routines I've put in place, but unfortunately I don't get the joy of what a neurotypical has of it taking less energy and brain power, etc. So that's where the routines come in, not so much habits. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to think about this in in relationships as well. I think you've spoken a lot already about the systems that you can do. But I think it's worth thinking about hmm, if we want to put these habits into our relationship, you're going to have to think really hard about the triggers for your routines. I went, I went through a fitness journey in 2018. That was really interesting for me. When I say fitness, I mean, just got got really lean. I wouldn't say my it I definitely wasn't <laughs> the most healthiest. But I look great in the photos, which was which was <laughs> cool. Um, and so much of it was about an absolute bulletproof system. And it really, I realized everything hinged on going to bed super early. That was wow. every, all, all, everything. It was like a house of cards. As long as I was in bed at 9.45 PM, everything would be all good the next day. But to defend that 9.45 PM bedtime meant that I'd have these alarms go off. And then when the alarms go off, I make a drink. I'd fold my clothes the next day. I'd like put my running shoes by the door. Everything was stacked by the door. And then I'd get into to bed and then my alarm would go off at 5 a.m. and I'd be off being um, a, a morning monster. <laughs> but everything was around the day before. It, and it's definitely more like a routine than a habit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that was, oh yeah, this is just what I do. Every day was, like I said, dogs, barbed wire, fight to the death to make sure that I didn't allow myself just to just to swerve off and and not do it um, and if it had very... been a habit you would have still been able to do the rest of the day the next day regardless of that nine forty-five bedtime yeah because it would be right. automatic it would be second nature so even though something you could be flexible in that way and those of us with mm. ADHD really struggle with that flexibility at times hmm what about the date nights, the, these kind of things? Um, I'm curious, I'm curious how ADHD when both couples have it, or if just one cup, if one person has it and the other one doesn't, I was speaking to some of the writers on Coupley who are diagnosed with ADHD. And they said, honestly, it's been a real problem in our relationships and it's caused loads of problems in my relationship because 
I've missed things and I've accidentally right. not been there when my partner was expecting me to be. And like, it was my fault. I was literally asleep, but they're freaking out. Um, how, what can people do? So part of it is first figuring out what works best for you and what is necessary. I have learned, especially since getting diagnosed, that if I make a commitment to my husband, for example, I have to write it down immediately, put it in my phone immediately, because if I don't, I will not follow through. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I have to recognize that in and of myself. The other side of it is that keeping in mind reminders. So my husband and I currently trade off when we plan date nights. So week on, week off, basically. So I have to put reminders in my phone for Tuesday or Wednesday for me to plan the date because I've got to contact a babysitter. I've got to figure out where I'm going. I've got to potentially make reservations. And so I have to put those in place. I also write them down. So I'm writing them down and having the reminders in my phone. And that is what works best for me individually. My husband does something similar, but he just writes it down. He is a planner that he writes everything in. He just writes it down. But he does something similar in that he he writes that, you know, he's supposed to plan the date for Friday. And he always looks to Friday at the beginning of every week and knows, okay, I've got to plan this date and this is what I need to do. So it's really about figuring out what works best for you. But the important piece is owning what works best for you and taking the action that is necessary for you to do that. And not saying this is just something I'm bad at because I have ADHD. Yeah, because there are wonderful things that people with ADHD are good at. We're nonlinear thinkers. We're creative. We're out of the box thinkers. We can connect dots that other people can't. We're can be visionary and big idea thinkers, which is amazing. That's a superpower of ADHD that we can see things that other people potentially can't. But at the same time, we do have these limitations and we need to own those about ourselves and work around them instead of use them as an excuse. Because yeah, I could use it as an excuse all I want, but every time I would use it as an excuse, I'd be pushing my partner away. And that's not what I want to do. I I love my husband. I want to build and continue to build a great relationship with him. So I'm going to do that. Beautiful. Tara, is there anything else that you'd like to cover in this conversation? I feel like it's been such a good romp through ADHD land and all the different facets of relationship. Anything that we've missed or you think we should touch on? Well, um, I would suggest some good resources um, for couples, if that would be an interest. I know that Coupley has courses. Um, A book that I really recommend for couples is called ADHD and Us. Um, I think the author is, I think her last name is Baker. I can't remember if it is or not. ADHD and Us is fabulous in helping you work through things with your partner and really see it from both people's perspective. I also really like um, the Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD by Melissa Orloff. That's fantastic. And then also, of course, check out the, AD- the ADHD Couple podcast with our episodes. I'm really, my husband and I are super excited and are having super fun creating it. And we both have ADHD, so it's been, it's been, a, it's been a journey so far. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm going to list everywhere that people can get in touch with you below. What's the rest of the year looking like for you? Have you got any other exciting things coming up? Ways that people can engage with you? Got the podcast that will be listed. Anything else? The end of this year, thankfully not. 
Thankfully not. I think the podcast, I am a co-host of another podcast called Breaking Free from Narcissistic Abuse, which I do work with that too. And my content on social media, but I am, I'm taking it pretty easy the rest of this year. I, I need it. My family Fantastic. needs it too. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, thank you so much. It's been such a wonderful conversation to such an important topic. I super appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was really fun.